Well, good morning. It is good to see you all today, and uh, good to see some others. Goodness sakes, I've seen quite a bit of Thale over the course of this past year, but never here in church. Thale, welcome. It's good to see you. And, uh, and then Bud and Norma slipped in on us. Where do you guys come from? <laughs> from way down south, I guess it is. Uh, well, we welcome you, and who else is here now today for the first time, or it's been a while since you have been with us? I guess I don't <clears throat> see anybody else. It's good to have folk showing back up. Howard, there you are back there. Howdy. Good to see Howard with us. He's kind of making a habit of that again. That's nice. And uh, as he has a bit of relief uh, being over there at the Beehive, and uh, we need to pray that Verla will continue to get her strength back. Uh, they informed me, the personnel did, that she is doing better all the time. Uh, she made her way down the hallway with, without assistance. Uh, her walker, of course, but, but that's huge. And uh, we uh, need to keep them in our prayers and, and be uh, praying for our folk or our making it back to our services. And, and it's good to see each and every one. Uh, Dave, someone told me you're having surgery on Wednesday. Is that correct? Having a knee replaced. Yeah. Well, that needs to be on our prayer list. Uh, somehow that's escaped the, escaped the prayer list to this point, but uh, it's on there now. And uh, we will keep you in, in our prayers on, on Wednesday, knee replacement. But um, the offer that the house that the Ernsbergers have made an offer on, I believe is the one over by you, isn't it, Gladys? Uh, Gladys informed them of a house that went onto the market over in their neighborhood. And um, the one off Talbot, uh, down below the high school, they have to get it appraised. The family has to get that appraised. And then once they do, it'll go onto the market. Um, and they are interested in that one as well. So let's, let's do be in prayer about um, those things that are transpiring. Uh, Debbie and I drove over to Moses Lake last week. That's um, where we were at to see the Brocks. Uh, we wanted to see them while we still could, and, and it was good. It was, I guess I could say they're getting older like everybody else. Um, but who isn't getting older? Uh, it was kind of sad to see. They both have a, a bit of dementia. And uh, quite a handful for their son and his wife, Jimmy and, and Kathy Brock. They are taking care of them in their home and, and uh, would appreciate our prayers as we go. You see First Thessalonians chapter 5 up there. I'll just ask you to go ahead and turn there uh, while I continue uh, talking here. Um, we then went to church um, Jimmy is not in a ministry at this point because his health. We've been praying for him and his health, if you remember. So we drove up to Soap Lake, not very far north of there, about 20 miles north up to Andrew Schaff. We'd been there before as Pastor Andrew asked me to come over and speak for their uh, world-famous chicken feed that they have every year. And uh, that was just a couple years ago, back before COVID. But after driving to Moses Lake and back, I'm thinking... Wenatchee is another hour beyond Moses Lake. And uh, 
You know, with the, the Ernsbergers driving back and forth uh, very faithfully every other week, uh, just kind of reminds me of the task that they have in, in doing that. Uh, so we need to pray for them and, and trust the Lord to provide housing for them so they can stay here. Um, in the month of May, you know, we work it out one month at a time. Uh, and so far, it's been an every other week thing. Uh, well, not in, not in May. Our, our schedule, Debbie and I's schedule, doesn't allow that. Um, they will be here next week because that's his turn. And uh, then the week after that is Mother's Day. And so uh, they're going to be here for Mother's Day. The, the week following that, the 16th, uh, is uh, the tail end of the men's retreat. So he's coming over for the men's retreat and the beginning of our special meetings with Ken Lynch. So they'll be here for that. He wondered if I'd be available on the fourth Sunday of the month. And I said, well, I'm thinking so. Uh, so I think I've got the fourth Sunday. He will do then the fifth Sunday, which is Memorial Weekend. And so that's how it's going to go in, in May. Um, Debbie and I are, are uh, flying one way down to Alabama at, right after um, Mother's Day and going to be driving Jeannie and Johnny back here. Um, what we're going to be doing. We'll be gone for a couple of weeks during that. And um, so they're on their way. Uh, we'll hopefully get them here safely as uh, tail end of or the toward the end of, of May. And... Um, We'll let you know more about that as time progresses, but we'll appreciate your prayers um, for that. I'm not sure with everything happening in Atlanta if I feel comfortable flying into Atlanta or not, but uh, that's what the plan is, and um, hopefully they'll pick us up. We'll get out of the, out of the territory uh, before anything bad happens. Um, you know, um, I have enjoyed preaching on the Psalms here these weeks that I've been filling in, Psalm 130. Uh, I lose track of weeks. That was two times ago. Um, entitled, My Hope is in the Lord. And then last time, two weeks ago, uh, Psalm 16, The Fullness of Joy. And I kind of declared that, you know, when I don't have a series, I'm starting why um, the Psalms are always kind of been where I turn to because I love them so and have, and, uh, have so many favorites. But I have... Uh, I just could not help myself today um, to not consider the current events in light of prophecy. I've always enjoyed prophecy. Um, it's been a, one of my favorite uh, theological topics, I guess you could say. Um, the first prophecy series that I did was back in 1983, which was a year after we were here. Some of you uh, may uh, probably don't remember the prophecy series, but you remember 1983 and, and us being here. Um, then I, um, that was a whole year situation. In 1990 and 91, uh, another series on prophecy entitled The Signs of the Times. Um, in 1999, I did a what I call theology class where we were taking various topics of theology and looking at them in a systematic way and eschatology consumed 1999, uh, in, on a Wednesday night, that is. And then in 2001, upon 9-11, uh, I had to do a title or a series I entitled Perilous Times of These Last Days. It didn't last quite as long, but it took it through the end of the year 
in 2001. Uh, the beginning of 2004, as we kicked off another year, I had a series entitled As the Lord Tarries. It just lasted a couple of months. Uh, 2008 and 2009, uh, the fall, just prior to the election of President Obama, I did a series entitled The Condition of Our Day, which was a fresh look again at prophecy. And then in 2014 and 15, which you may remember, I did a series on the book of Revelation, and that took a year and a half to get through. And uh, we were looking also at some complementary prophecies of Daniel at that time. Today, in this rapidly changing world, uh, where we see uh, we're following headlong into the prophecies of, of God's word, um, I cannot help myself. I'm, I'm not going to start a series. Uh, I, I don't have the pulpit that much longer. But I just needed to give a brief update as we look at the situation that is developing so rapidly before our eyes, entitled... Um, when they say peace and safety, uh, but of the times and seasons, uh, brethren, uh, is where we see in the beginning of that passage. And so I would like to have you just follow along as I begin in the, um, I got to back up to chapter 4 to pick up the context here, because chapter 4 of First Thessalonians is dealing with the um, Rapture of the church, one of the most extensive passages which deal with the pre-tribulation rapture of God's people off this earth. And starting in verse 13, follow along, and then I'm going to read down through chapter 5 and verse 9. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And of course, that's talking about those who have died, Christians who have died and are with the Lord. God will bring with him. For this we say unto you, verse 15, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But of the times and seasons... Brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunk in the night. 
But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you so much for the truths of your word that are so accurate to tell us everything we need to know about this life and eternity to come. We thank you for the topic of eschatology as we see prophecies that you've given us that have not been fulfilled. And Father, we realize that they will be fulfilled just exactly and as great of detail as those which already have been fulfilled. Uh, you tell us everything that we need to know, Father. And as we see this world that we live in, uh, we just pray that you would help us to understand the dynamics of it and, Father, to respond accordingly as your people and to allow you your rightful place in our hearts and lives and in our church and, and in our families and, and in our neighborhoods and amongst those people that we rub shoulders with. Thank you, Father, for each one here. Thank you for those that are returning to be with us whether it's just from the south or, or from having been uh, in their homes with COVID, from COVID. We just pray, Father, that you would bless as we press forward. We commit this need of housing for the Ernsbergers. We pray that you would provide for them, Father. You know their need. It is a need. And we thank you that they've been able and willing to drive back and forth from Wenatchee. And yet, Father, I know they desire to be here. They are our pastor, and we thank you for the way you've led in that and pray that you would just provide a home for them, that one of these two homes might work out, Father. You know what is best, and so we just commit it to you. I pray that you would be with Dave as he has his surgery on Wednesday. We pray that it would be completely successful, that he have a quick and full recovery, that you'd watch over him. Father, we think of others upon our prayer list, and we think of the Brocks and commit them to you, Father, in these years of their lives as they are up in years. Father, we just pray that you would uh, give Jim and his wife, Kathy, uh, wisdom in, in dealing with them and that you would guide and direct to your honor and glory. Thank you, Father, that we have better things that we look forward to, the rapture of the church. If we die prior to that, Father, we'll be in your presence and we'll be part of that group that Jesus returns with in the clouds. And so we thank you for these promises of your word and, and pray that as we look at these things today that you would just challenge our hearts and lives, Father, to be what you've saved us to be. And we'll be sure to thank you for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Bruce pretty well set the stage in the Sunday school hour. It's amazing how that works uh, for our my message here at this time. Uh, and by the way, if you're, if you're not here, don't make it a habit to come for Sunday school. I ought to invite you to do that. Uh, we need our Sunday school uh, to operate again. We've got a ladies' class, and we've got a uh, class here in the auditorium. He's doing the book of Judges. But indeed, as he pointed out to us, Brother Bruce, in the uh, Sunday school hour, uh, the, the day that the, of the Judges it was much like the day that we live. And it was quite a, quite a day, to say the least. Today, as we uh, begin, first of all, I would like to consider developing prophecies. Uh, not that the prophecies of God's word are developing. They are firm and the same as they were when they were given. But our understanding 
of these prophecies. And, and the reality of how this could be is developing. And that's what I would like us to consider today under that subheading, uh, developing prophecies. First of all, there is something that is a little different here that we haven't ever seen before, and that's global submission. And it had to do uh, with the pandemic, of course. Uh, but we see that um, people are yielding to the power or the authority of another. And, you know, that's not necessarily new, but to have it done on a global scale. You know, we realize in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 7, it, it gives us signs of the times, and part of it is pestilences or diseases. But as we've seen this uh, global pandemic, uh, we have seen global submissions. Uh, the experts have said, stop everything. And it did. Around the world, it doesn't matter what country you are in. Um, here at our church from March 15, that was a Sunday, we were able, for five Sundays, we had no services. And, and this church in 75 years has never uh, canceled services, except for a snowstorm upon occasion. We've done that. But five weeks, we came back online on April the 26th, and, and uh, you remember those days. And we were fortunate that we live here in Montana because I'm here to tell you, some places, some states, churches still have not uh, resumed. And even, I think, across our town, uh, some churches uh, still are, are not back to what they used to be. And, and we haven't been, of course, when you realize that we've been told if, if you are up in years or you have some underlying medical conditions that you need to stay home. And, and many have because that was the wise thing to do. But um, never have we seen the entire globe uh, shut down like that. Uh, there have been things that have impacted large sections of our world. You take the world wars, but they've never impacted every country in the world. There have been places of peace where people did not, were not impacted by the war. But my friends, this global pandemic has uh, given us a, a new view of, of global submission to yield to the power or the authority of another, the whole world. Uh, you do what the experts say. Well, you know, that's kind of just preparation for another event that's gone to impact the entire world, and we just read about it, and that's the rapture of the church. Every believer at the rapture of the church, wherever they are at around the globe, are all of a sudden going to be just disappear. In a twinkling of an eye, they're going to be gone. As Christ comes with those that have gone on, their souls, their bodies are resurrected out of the grave, reunited with their souls, with Jesus up in the clouds, and then we which are alive and remain will be translated, given our glorified bodies without having to go through death. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that's going to happen. And all of a sudden, people are going to turn around and think, well, where did so-and-so go? And uh, there's going to be a, a global explanation that's going to have to be given, but there's someone that will step forward and, and do that. And, of course, we know who that is. It is, it is Antichrist that is going to step forward and, 
And, and yet look at some of the preposterous things people are led to believe in this day that we live. Uh, it's no, I mean, we're told things that are just complete uh, untruth and, and people are gullible and swallow it up. And, and, uh, but that's something that is new, global submission. I've never seen it. I, I don't know if you have. I haven't in my short lifetime. Another thing is that we see here is social sedition. Resistance against lawful authority. We see with increasing um, violence around our nation. And I don't know, we don't get a whole lot of news from around the world, but we certainly do here in our country, don't we? Well, in Matthew 24, uh, in that same passage, it says, because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And, and uh, we see things going on here uh, within our nation that just boggle the mind. Uh, I, I took headlines from just today, today's headlines of Fox News. That's the only news channel that I'll watch. But let me, let me just run through some of these uh, headlines, today's headlines. Bungling the border, continuing growing crisis at the border. Police kill a man in body armor who hit police vehicle with his car, and that's in L.A. Um, and it goes on to say that lawmakers revealed how many migrants are freed into the U.S. Uh, without uh, a court date. Out-of-town home buyers with deep pockets uh, edging out locals. I think we understand how that goes. Teenager charged with murder of a seven-year-old girl at a McDonald's drive-thru. Far-left plans for feds to investigate our nation's cops. Putin makes toughest push yet to crush political opposition. Fighter jet was put on standby last year amid fears citizens would revolt over lockdowns in California. New York Police Department officers uh, rushing to retire amid cities anti-cop climate. New York City Asian man pushed to the ground, kicked in the head during a brutal assault. Representative, Representative Maxine Waters calls out Chauvin trial judge. Restaurants nationwide struggle to find workers as unemployment benefits outlast COVID restrictions. Caitlin Jenner, who is born a man and now thinks he is a woman, announces a run for the California governor. Biden claims America is system, uh, systemically racist. That's just today's headlines. Um, social 
Seditions, my friends, we see it all around us. Praise the Lord that we live here in Montana. But we see uh, our uh, neighborhood changing, do we not, as we have people moving in here. Um, so there's the global submission. We see social seditions that are just ever increasing day by day. It, not a day goes by, but what we have uh, terrible things that are going on with aggression and anger. Um, but also, another thing that we see here is, is national aggressions. Um, let me just go over a review of what God's Word says uh, about the reign of Antichrist um, as we see it in scriptures. And then I'm going to compare that to some of the news items that we see today. Um, the ministry of Antichrist through the tribulation period. He's a Gentile, and he'll rise to power out of a revived Roman Empire, which kind of is Europe, after the rapture, after the restrainer is removed, according to 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to just make reference to these scriptures. We don't have time to look at them today for sure. But through his political leadership and his uh, seeming intelligence and persuasiveness, and of course also as you understand him, by his subtlety and his deceit, he gains world favor and rises to power over the federation of ten nations. At the beginning of his rule, he brokers a peace treaty with Israel, which restores them to full access of Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, where the Jews are not allowed today. The Jewish temple will be rebuilt and worship will commence, Jewish worship. They're in the temple on the Temple Mount. During the first half of the tribulation, he behaves rather in a civilized manner, even though his chief strategy is power and authority, and yet he's concerned about global popularity. However, things change rather abruptly in the middle of the week. When Satan is cast out of heaven, that's Revelations chapter 12. And he turns into the beast that he really is, empowered by Satan himself. He stops the Jewish sacrifice. He breaks his covenant with Israel. He desecrates the Jewish temple by entering into the holy place and declaring himself to be God. And, of course, prophecies describe or name this uh, middle of the tribulation as the abomination of desolation, you see, in Daniel 9 and in Matthew 24. At this time, Antichrist, yea, Satan, turns his full fury against Israel, the Jews, and they have to flee for their lives. And any of those who have responded to their message of the two witnesses and the 144,000. From then on, Antichrist rules with absolute authority, declaring himself to be God even with signs wrought uh, through satanic power, as you see in 2 Thessalonians. All people on earth are forced to bow to him by taking his mark. And if you don't, you're not able to buy or sell, according to Revelations 13. And those who resist 
are sought and if found are put to death. He's not going to have absolute rule over the world because there, as we see in prophecies, there are alliances of nations that come against him contesting his authority during the tribulation period, most of it during the last half of the tribulation period after he declares himself as God and and tries to invoke upon everybody his mark. Scriptures in Ezekiel 38 and 39 talk about a northern confederacy Gog and Magog, of course, which is Russia and her allies. And there it talks about the kings of the east in Revelation 9 and 16, which is um, nations from Asia that are 200 million strong. Come across the Euphrates River in order to invade Israel. And, of course, we realize as China and her allies. And then there's also kings of the south, which are mentioned in Daniel chapter 11, that evidently are allied with the king of the north uh, because they both invade Israel simultaneously, according to those passages, uh, to be defeated or destroyed by God himself as he intervenes. And that's not to mention, of course, that last military campaign that we know as the Battle of Armageddon. All of these previous military endeavors uh, continue throughout the last half of the tribulation and could be considered as part of the whole campaign of Armageddon. But the climax, as all the powers of the world have come together, each one to take a spoil of Palestine, rather than battling one with another, which is what they went there to do, they turned their attention to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is coming out of the sky on a white horse. And they are annihilated by the sword that goes out of his mouth, the second advent of Christ that Scripture talks about so prevalently. Um, So we realize that um, that's kind of what prophecy says is going to happen during the... the, uh, tribulation period and what is building this world is building up to be well let me compare some of the events that are going on currently with that first of all russian aggressions Uh, this article goes back to march 31st not long ago but it says the pentagon is watching as russia steps up aggression in eastern europe the (coughs) excuse me the pentagon is on alert as russia steps up his activity in the Arctic, also presenting a new challenge for the young Biden administration, military officials said Wednesday. Uh, U.S. European Command has raised its alert status to the highest level after NATO jets scrambled 10 times on Monday alone to respond to an unusually high number of Russian fighter and bomber flights near Allied space. And last week, this goes back to the 1st of April, last week three nuclear-armed Russian submarines punched through several feet of ice in the Arctic, a new show of force in a region American forces are challenged to reach. That's a little article about, about Russia. Well, what about China's ambitions? Well, this article is just last week, 
China and other countries now top U.S. and Intel's global threat list, not terrorist groups. Um, this article says China is working to challenge the U.S. by doubling its nuclear capacity, besting American capabilities in space, and expanding its influence abroad, according to a threat assessment by the U.S. intelligence community published Tuesday, last Tuesday. Uh, highlights the, the dangers that they pose. FBI Christopher Wray, it goes on to say, reiterated his view that I don't think there is any country that represents a more severe threat to our economic security or in, in, innovation and our ideas than China. The FBI has around 2,000 open investigations related to Chinese espionage and acknowledged that China was seeking to influence, influence American politics. This year's assessment, it goes on to say, focuses on great power competition, especially as the threats posed to American security by fourth uh, authoritarian adversaries, China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea. That's what that says to that. What about the rising threat of nuclear war? Well, um, we see that there's another, uh, this was dated Thursday this past week, that uh, the U.S. Strategic Command, STRATCOM, put out a statement saying the spec spectrum of conflict today is neither linear nor predictable. We must account for the possibility of conflict leading to conditions which could very rapidly drive an adversary to consider nuclear use as their least bad option. The U.S. has been ramping up aggressions with Russia in a way that has terrified experts, and it looks likely to continue doing so. These aggressions are further complicated on increasingly tense fronts like Ukraine, which is threatened to obtain nuclear weapons if it isn't granted membership in NATO, either of which would risk a conflict. STRATCOM's commander, Charles Richard, told the Senate Armed Services Committee on Tuesday last week that China's nuclear capabilities are advancing so rapidly that they are not even bothering with intelligence vetted more than a month ago in their briefings because it's probably already out of date, urging an upgrade in Americans' nuclear infrastructure. And, of course, if you want to get a glimpse of, of uh, the effects of a nuclear blast uh, in Zechariah 14.12, it talks about that. But instead, it's not talking about nuclear blast by some adversary. It's talking about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, which is uh, like a thermal nuclear blast to those that he comes against. Um, so we see a rising threat of a nuclear war. And you know, one thing that I've never been able to really fully explain um, all these years is where is America? Where is America in all of this? Well, this article is by Victor Davis Hansen, someone that I enjoy listening to as he comments on these things. He says, America 
knows from their own illustrious history, any nation's well-being hinges on only a few factors. It's prosperity, freedom, and overall stability, depending on its constitutional and political stability. A secure currency and financial order are also essential, as is a strong military. Perhaps the most important is a first-rate inductive educational system. Of course, nothing is impossible without general social calm, often dependent on a reverence for the past and secure borders. He goes on to say the ability to produce or easily acquire food, fuel, and key natural resources ensures a nation's independence and autonomy. Unfortunately, in the last few months, all of those centuries-old reasons to be confident in American strength and resilience have been put into doubt. The challenge is not just from enemies abroad, such as China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran. The greater problem lies within us, he says, as we erode the inherent and acquired strength that made us singular, both material, materially and spiritually. We are now witnessing a concentrated effort to alter the constitutional order and centuries of custom and tradition. The left believes that the only way it can retain its transient power, given an opportunity of, of most of its uh, unpopularity of most of its uh, current agenda. And he goes on. I don't have time as I look at the clock on the back wall, but I think you realize um, what I'm trying to say. Where is America in prophecy? Why would it not be there as the world power that we have been for the 250 years of our history? Well, I think we can see uh, where that might be uh, if things continue as they are. And, um, you know, if we believe what God's word tells us with regards to these last days, uh, it's not going to get any better. And I don't know that uh, that makes us feel very happy, but maybe these last two points that I give will help somewhat. Uh, we've seen developing prophecy, but there is divine sovereignty that we need not lose sight of. And there's some scriptures throughout God's word that we could look at, but I would just like to go back to the book of Revelation and look at uh, three different places in the book of Revelations, chapter 16, first of all. As we realize that God is on the throne no matter what happens here uh, in our society or in America or around the world. God is sovereign. That means that he is in absolute and complete control of all things. He does as he pleases, only as he pleases, always as he pleases. And he uses even the evil intents of Satan and man under Satan's control to his plans and purposes to complete them. God is sovereign. Revelations chapter 16 and verse 16, with regards to the battle of Armageddon, it says, he gathered them together. All these various armies that I said are going to uh, come down upon the nation Israel to take Israel itself, that little piece of real estate. Um, he has gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon, the hill of Megiddo or the valley of Megiddo. Uh, that Jezreel Valley that I have looked at before. Over in chapter 17 and verse 17, 
Um, in the same type of, of uh, dynamic that we see, for God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God be fulfilled. Uh, that's those who would submit then uh, to the rule of Antichrist uh, during that time. Um, in chapter 19, just across the page in verse 1, it says, After these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and, with, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at their hands. And of course, that's um, talking about the one world religious system that'll be uh, enacted upon people during that time. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever, verse 3, verse 4, and the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. This is a scene in heaven. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants. We'll be there because we'll have been raptured uh, prior to this time, seven years almost uh, prior to this time. Um, verse 6, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, and the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. God is sovereign. He reigns in his omnipotence. And, of course, it goes on and it makes reference to the, the marriage of the lamb and the wedding party. And then, verse 11, it begins to unfold the events of the second coming of Christ in great power and great glory. So never lose sight, no matter what takes place, no matter how bad it gets, that God is sovereign and he is on the throne. And he can be trusted because he is faithful. And that brings me to my last point. There is personal victory that is promised to us. Go back to our text that we started with in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And notice what it says here. Uh, let me just review again. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you for yourselves. Know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now the day of the Lord is actually that day of judgment of God upon this earth. There are... Uh, the day of the Lord is, is a topic that is seen often in, in prophecies. And sometimes it's the day of the Lord has already been fulfilled as, as in Joel's day, as he prophesied the day of the Lord. But the day of the Lord is that time of judgment. And it comes as a thief in the night. And how does that work? Well, the thief in the night part is the Lord coming. Because you don't know what day or what hour he might come. And uh, we just... Uh, don't have to be overtaken by that because we know the day comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a, a woman with a child and they shall not escape. That's what the world is crying today, peace and safety, and trying to get us to believe the lies that they are telling us and the accusations they make against those who stand for the truth and, and uh, stand for biblical principles and, and what our nation was based upon. And I guess the thing I could say here is be saved. If you're not, if you're not saved and the rapture occurs, 
you're going to be left to go through the tribulation period. So be saved. It doesn't ha- this day doesn't have to overtake you as a thief. Um, but also, it goes on to say in verse 4, Brethren, you are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are children of the light. God's word is the light. Uh, he has given us a light. He has given us his Holy Spirit to, to help us to understand these things. Uh, children of the day, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So my friends, we need to be saved and, and we need to wake up and be sober. We need to open our spiritual eyes to believe what God tells us and to look about and, and understand the day that we live and and to be sober, to be alert, to be surrendered to the Lord, to be busy about what he has called us to do. Also, it goes on to say there, um, they that sleep, sleep in the night, verse 7, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night, but let us who are of the day be sober, he reiterates that, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation Now, these three Christian virtues kind of follow one another around throughout the New Testament. And I've done series on those three, the great three. Uh, Faith, you know what that is. Uh, Believing that what God has said he can do, not staggering at those promises through unbelief, but being fully persuaded that if God has promised it, he's able to do it. And we have full confidence in that and of love. Of course, love is... Not some gushy feeling. Love is action. Love is right action. Love is doing what is best for those loved in light of eternity. And for an helmet, that's the breastplate that will protect our vitals. And for an helmet, uh, to protect the control center, if you please, the head, the hope of salvation. And my friends, our hope is, is a confident expectation that is based upon the faithfulness of God the hope of salvation, for God has not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So my friends, the personal victory we see here uh, includes a pre-tribulation rapture. Don't let anybody tell you any different. I was talking to someone over in Moses Lake uh, that started, I wasn't going to say anything, but he kept rattling on about some things as he was trying to impressed me and another guy that I was having a nice conversation with at the gun show over there in in Moses Lake um, about uh, the day that we live in. And as he went on and on, I I kept thinking, now, wait a minute. I don't know what religion you are, but you're certainly not interpreting God's word the way I do. And so I had to speak up. And and I think this man felt like, uh, first of all, that you know, you, you go through the tribulation period. Secondly, he could not tell me what I would have to do in order to get to heaven. I just asked him that simple question. That was my first question to him. What would you tell me if, if I said, hey, I would like to know how to get to heaven? What would you tell me? Well, you can't know if you're going to go to heaven. You'll find out someday. And I said, well, what about John three sixteen? He says, why well, you take that out of context? I said, the context, the context is, the Savior of the world coming to give his life on the cross of Calvary so that I might know that I have eternal life. And, and finally, the guy that I was having a pleasant conversation with had enough, and he got up and left, and I walked away myself. <laughs> it was too much. 
I don't know what he was, but um, uh, don't let anybody tell you any different. There is going to be a rapture prior to the tribulation period. This, if this was the only place we had to prove it, this does right here. He has not appointed us to wrath. And some say, oh, well, that's talking about the wrath of hell. Well, you know, we're saved from the wrath of hell, but the context here is the sudden destruction and the judgment of God and the activity of Satan that is going to envelop the world during that tribulation period. We're saved from that wrath, and we comfort one another with those things. But another thing, my friends, we need to do is to be faithful in church. It says over in Hebrews, if I uh, turn there quickly, uh, you know the verse, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, um, as the manner of some is, but exhort one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need one another. We need to be in church. Those who toy at church and toy at church membership, uh, uh, again, uh, my friends, are not where the Lord would want them. They're not claiming the victory that, that God offers. Um, and, of course, we need to be a soul winner. The only reason the Lord is tarrying, according to Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, and compared to verse 15, is their souls to be saved. We would like somebody else to do that, right? Well... You know what? There's probably souls within our own families, within our own neighborhoods, within our own influence, people we work with that need to be saved, need to be told about these things. We need to be soul winners. And we need to be uh, doing the things that the Lord has called us to do. So that's just a quick skipping across the top of some things here today. Uh, we realize that... Um, it's not over till it's over. One of these days, we're going to hear that trump. And it's going to be over as far as our influence here on this earth. And we'll be in heaven with the Lord. We won't be left here unless you don't know Christ as your Savior. I hope you do. If you don't, today is really the only day you have to take care of that matter. You don't know what a day might bring. And if you're not living the life that the Lord would have you to live, let's open our eyes, let's wake up, let's get busy, and let's be what God has asked us to be. Father, thank you so much for your word and for this opportunity to spend some time in it. <coughs> thank you, you have revealed these things to us <coughs> that we can know exactly what's going to transpire. We don't know when. Father, till that time comes and we hear that uh, trump of God, Father, there's a reason you are tarrying our Lord's return. And that's for the salvation of souls. That's for us to be what you've saved us to be here in this earth, to be the salt and the light, to let our light shine. Father, help us to do that. Thank you for the, each one here today. Thank you for your presence. Work in our hearts and lives, Father. If there be any need represented in, in someone today that you would uh, help them to make a decision to commit whatever it is that, that they need to to you, to be faithful uh, unto you, Father. And I'll be sure to thank you for it, pray in Jesus' name. Amen.